folks, welcome back to Mastermind.fm. I'm Mark from WP Mayor, WP RSS Aggregator, and EDD Bookings. And as you may have heard in the recent weeks, I've taken over the Mastermind.fm podcast from Jean and James, who have both moved on to their own individual projects. So once again, I'd like to take the opportunity to thank them for giving me this opportunity. And uh, as you may have noticed, we've been missing for a few weeks, but that will end very soon. So this week, we have an episode with Pippin Williamson from Easy Digital Downloads. And we have a few more episodes lined up in the coming weeks with some exciting folks. So please stay tuned and enjoy this episode. This week, we have with us Pippin Williamson from Easy Digital Downloads, as well as a few other plugins. And we're going to be discussing a few topics around EDD's rebuilding project for the new EDD 3.0, and the same rebuilding idea that we have with EDD bookings. Pippin, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. So you currently run uh, Easy Digital Downloads as well as a couple of other plugins, which are Restrict Content Pro and uh, Affiliate WP. Yep. So how big a team are you guys right now? Uh, today we are 15 people, 15 full-time, as well as uh, three or four active contractors that work part-time with us, and we are getting ready to add two more people. So we're approaching the 20-person mark. Cool. That's across all projects, right? Yeah. All right. I would say about a third or a little more than that work on easy digital downloads, a few of them on Affiliate WP, and then a few on Restrict Content Pro. And then we have a few people that move around across all of the projects. All right. Do you switch developers across all projects, or is it even support stuff? Uh, it's developers, support, marketers, and one of the new people that we're getting ready to hire is a content creator. So we've got a little bit of, of everything. Cool. All right. So currently, easy digital downloads is... One of the biggest e-commerce plugins in WordPress, very popular with tens of thousands of downloads of WordPress.org. And you're currently running and updating the current version and also creating a new version of EDD. That's correct. Yeah, we're, we are currently working on what we're calling Easy Digital Downloads 3.0. Uh, and it's a pretty significant rebuild of the plugin. We've spent a long time looking at what some of the, the pain points are, uh, what, what are some of the things that prevent us from being able to grow the plugin effectively, what are some of the scaling problems and just various challenges. And we've worked on improving them slowly over time. And that's worked quite well for us, but we decided that it was worthwhile to go ahead and try to do it all in one go. There's a number of reasons and we can certainly get into those, but basically we decided to to rebuild the underlying system that is easy digital downloads. So there's quite a bit that's changing on the front end for the, the site owner experience, primarily in the administration areas, but the biggest changes are actually happening behind the scenes at the database layer and the internal APIs. All right. So currently, for those listening, the process that Pippin is going through with EDD is also a similar process to what we're going through with EDD Bookings. So EDD Bookings is a WordPress plugin, an extension for EDD that allows appointment bookings. It was previously developed by us and sold through the EDD website, and now it's sold through our own website. We're about to be sold. We're about to launch a new version, which we've been working on for close to a year now. We're going through a similar process to Pippin to figure out what the new version should do, how it should be built, and how we can maintain it in the future. So first of all, Pippin, what convinced you guys to make the decision to make the investment in a, into a new version? I think the biggest thing was that we had spent six or seven years dealing with some of the early choices that I had made when I first built the plugin. 
and they were causing us problems. They were causing difficulties for a number of reasons, primarily when it came to scaling and performance, but also data accuracy, data manipulation, being able to have a better and real um, and accurate representation of your e-commerce data and your site. All of those things were actually really challenging to maintain due to some early decisions that I made in the database structure. And we knew that we were going to work on slowly migrating away from them, getting past those early decisions, which that basically the, the summary of the decision that I made early on was that I would build all of the e-commerce transactional data into the WordPress database system. So into the WordPress post table, the post meta table. And that worked really well initially, but it had a lot of scaling problems. It had a lot of performance problems. Uh, and it had a lot of flexibility limitations on it. And so we had been working on migrating all of the data to a dedicated and very specific uh, database schematic for, for a while. And we had gotten maybe 30 or 40% of the way there over the course of three years. We finally looked at it and said, look, if we're going to keep doing this in little chunks, it's going to take us five more years before we're done with this. So we don't know what five years looks like from now. I mean, as a product, we're only six years old anyway, maybe not even six years old at that, at that time. So if we're going to do this, maybe we should consider just doing it all at once. Let's just get it done. Because even though it's going to take a little while, it's going to take a few months of really intensive development. If we can do it and we can do it right, the results are going to be tremendous. Initially for us, in terms of what it allows us to do, but then it'll be tremendous for all of our users and the entire customer base because it will then enable not only a lot more performance for these sites, for the store owners, but it will also, because it now enables us to be a lot more flexible and a lot more accurate with what we're building, we can bring a lot better feature sets to our user base. Previously, we were limited because we had, to put it bluntly, a really crappy database schema. Our data was kind of scattered all over the place and was really hard to work with. It was hard to query. It was hard to manipulate. And so by pulling it all out of the WordPress database tables and putting it into our own dedicated design, dedicated and custom design tables, we can create a database schematic that functions the way that we need it to function for the data that we need to present to store owners. You started this by yourself, right? You started on your own with EDD. Yeah, it was originally just me. So what, what was the initial thought behind actually using the WordPress database tables and, and creating the plugin in that way? Were, were, <laughs> first of all, were you thinking uh, long term or were you thinking of something for yourself? And that's no, 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 no. Uh, I think the, the accurate way to put it would be that I wasn't thinking about it because I was inexperienced. And five or six years ago, there was a mentality in the WordPress development world that you should avoid custom database tables and you should always do things the WordPress way, which means putting things, putting your data into the WordPress tables. And so it was just kind of the default, well, that's just what you do. And so that's what I did. Uh, that was the only reasoning for it. And then it was only through experience that I learned that was a pretty poor de decision. And you're already making that shift away even through your software licensing add-on, right? Uh, we actually did it way before the software licensing add-on. We started making a shift away when we first built Affiliate WP, right. which was built four years ago. And then after that, it was with our recurring payments plugin, 
We pushed out a new version of that, which included a full migration. And then we did a commissions plugin. And then we did our front end submissions plugin. And then we did software licensing. So software licensing was actually about the fifth step in the process. And then all the rest of the data inside of Easy Digital Downloads would have been a sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth mm-hmm. update. And so we decided that was going to take way too long because we'd already been working on this for almost four years, make, making this migration away. And so that's really the driving force of ED 3.0 is just, hold on, we can't do this over four years. We need to do this in three months instead. So let's just get it done. Yeah, put all your focus into it and do it the right way. Yeah, and be done with it. And then there might be some things that are a little rough around the edges initially, just because that's the way that things happen when you're talking about such a significant update. I mean, we have we have rewritten 50% of the underlying code base for easy digital downloads. Um, and that's going just because there's no other way around it. There will be things that go wrong. And this is why we'll have a very extensive beta period. We'll do a lot. We'll do as much of our own testing on our own sites as we possibly can. But once we get past the, the hurdle of actually getting the update deployed and getting everybody's site migrated effects uh, successfully, it's going to be a really good position for us and for all of our users. So the, the add-on migrations, those were in preparation for this or were they the wrong thing? No, they were absolutely in preparation for this. They were basically our small-scale tests to make sure that, number one, we knew how to create the database AP schemas and the APIs that we needed, and then that we knew how to create a migration routine that would work on even very large sites that have hundreds of thousands or millions of records. And so they were all small-scale tests, which is why we actually started with the smaller plugins first and then got progressively bigger as we went with software licensing being the last of the add-ons that had to be be tested in preparation for this change in the core plugin. Yeah, and I can say software licensing migration, we did that ourselves for the aggregator plugin. Mm-hmm. Smooth process, nothing major going on, took a few minutes and we were done. So that bodes well already for the future. Well, we're glad to hear that. It's been, uh, so that one, we actually decided to test a phased rollout. Mm-hmm. And so we've actually had that update done for a month and a half, almost two months now. But we have been slowly rolling it out to about 100 sites a week or 100 sites every two weeks just to help us watch for small problems um, or big problems, hopefully not big problems. But in the case that they pop up, we want to know about it on a small number of sites before we deploy it to everybody, um, especially with that being our largest plugin we felt it was really important that we do that slowly just to make sure because that's the most extensive migration we've done so far. Yeah, I actually got the update for that on the EDD bookings website just yesterday. Ah, nice. And the, the aggregator one was a few weeks back, so yeah, I could see the... You saw the, the staggering, yep. Yeah. How do you actually do that? <laughs> uh, we built some custom code in the back end of our site that basically says anytime that somebody checks in for an update, pick a random number between one and say 100, and if it is uh, less than 10, you get the update. Otherwise, we don't show it to you. <laughs> right. uh, and then we record a record of every every site that has updated so that we can go back and look at the record and, and see how many sites have updated and then use that as a counter to say, okay, we're going to set a limit of 100 sites are going to be allowed to update. As soon as 100 sites have update, no more get, get the update until we have released another batch of updates. Uh, so it was... It's it's nothing pretty, but it's just a little bit of custom code in the back end that, that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a completely random, I'm guessing, not big size. Yeah, no, it's, to- it's totally random. Um, it's just 
let's say that you have a thousand sites check in, we'll give the update to 100 of them. All right. So given that those are smaller scale than the actual ADD migration that's going to be for 3.0, has it gone smoothly so far? Have there been any major problems? So yeah, so far it's been really smooth. We've pushed out three point releases over the last month and a half to fix small issues, but all of them were, were pretty minor. There was one problem that was a kind of significant issue, but it was for a very small number of people. And so other than that, yeah, it's gone super smooth. And the, the problems have always have only popped up with small details that are more or less unrelated to the actual migration process. More like there were other code bugs, like for our, for example, our licensing API was returning the wrong response for one check. That was totally unrelated to the migration. So yeah, otherwise the migration's gone super smooth. All right, that's good news. Now, with regards to the business aspect of all this, so let's discuss about the effects of taking such a decision on the business itself. Mm-hmm. So the business is in your, in your case, is Santa's development, which runs all the three plugins I mentioned before. What's the expected impact on your actual user base? Of the, whether you expect it to grow with 3.0 or you expect that to be a hit for some reason? What's the expectation? So uh, it's going to be a slow impact, we think. In the long term, we think it's going to allow us to grow our user base for a couple of reasons. The first being that it will be the plugin itself will be much better in terms of performance. And so we'll be able to attract some of the larger sites that maybe have trouble scaling when all that transactional data is stored within the WordPress database. That's a pretty small subset of users is because the majority of our user base runs small sites. But for the ones that do run big sites, it'll help with those. The second one is more of a long-term customer satisfaction in the feature sets that we can offer. Because we'll now have a proper database schematic that allows us to more accurately read and manipulate data, we can provide a lot better features for users. So for example, the reporting features in EDD have always been pretty weak. They're not very good right now. They give some overviews, but that's about it. Once our data is in a format that we can access a lot better and much more efficiently, we can build really, really good reports that suddenly provide a lot more value to store owners. Um, And that's the other main focus for EDD 3.0. So when we can start building those kinds of features, it'll be a lot easier for us to maintain users without having nearly as much user churn because we're providing a better solution. And so, yes, I think it will absolutely have a pretty significant impact on the business side of things because it will grow our customer base. That's great. Now, when you mention features, you're going to be improving on the ones you have or you have an idea of adding new features to the core plugin? Uh, Some of both. Uh, So, for example, like we have earnings reports right now. We're going to keep those earnings reports, but we're going to make them better. They're going to reveal more data. They're going to be more accurate, et cetera. But then we're also going to be able to introduce a lot of other reports. So, for example, right now, EDD pretty much doesn't have reporting around sales tax that's been collected. It's, and it's a huge weak point for a lot of store owners. And we've known this for a long time, but we've never had a good way providing a good report that actually allows store owners to go in and generate reports of how much sales tax have they collected, which countries, which states, which regions, et cetera. Well, with the new database schema, that's pretty easy for us to do. And so we'll be able to introduce good reporting on sales tax. We'll be able to introduce good reporting on discount codes, on refund rates. 
Another big feature that we'll be able to do a lot easier now is actually introducing a full interface for issuing refunds, including partial refunds, and allowing those those refunds to create proper and accurate report data. Right now, when you issue refunds through EDD, there's some caveats to it. For example, partial refunds are not really supported from the UI. And when you do issue partial refunds, it's pretty common for that to incorrectly reflect in the the earnings reports for the store. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so those will be accurate now. And we'll be able to have a full interface for those. And that's all made possible by having a proper database schema underneath. Um, Because right now, there's some very technical reasons for why it's almost not possible. It's a little too technical to into here, but we really have been limited by by the database for a long time. A lot of people, when they find out certain reporting features do or don't exist, or they work one way or another way, they, they get up in arms and ask, why in the world doesn't this work that way? That seems so simple. Mm-hmm. Turns out that the database doesn't make it that simple because the database is, has always been so disjointed and spread across multiple tables within the WordPress standard tables. And now that we're not going to be limited by that, we're going to be able to actually create some really good reporting and those management features for stores. Yeah, we look forward to the report issue and the refund things. Those are two pain points we face ourselves with EDD while we use it on our sites. Refunds is one of the things I had reported a while back as well. That partial refund idea, I have to do some updating manually. It can mess up something in the database. Mm-hmm. So that's something we definitely look forward to. Now, a problem we faced with EDD bookings in the old version was that because of the way we built it, we're limited in what features we can add, both because of the database that we're using, both because of the way we build the plugin. In the new version, the idea is that we're building for the future. So although the version we're going to be releasing within a few weeks now is going to be limited in feature, it's going to be pretty basic. The rate of growth is going to be exponential over the next few months because we can do things a lot faster than we could do them before. Do you have an example of a feature that you couldn't build before that now you can? For instance, group bookings. So the idea that multiple people can book the same service at the same time, not necessarily all at once. So not one person for five, but even five individuals. So that's going to be something we're going to be adding for sure. We have all the flexibility built in now. So we're using resources and everything's going to be a resource and you can build, you can build a service for whatever need you have. Basically, it's going to give you all the flexibility you need. Now, we're facing a problem, not a problem, but right now we're taking the approach of starting off small. So with a small feature set and then we grow. In the case of EDD, since you're planning on adding more features, what you mentioned earlier are valid features, but are you afraid of feature bloat in the future, having too much within one core plugin? Uh, no, because we're not really adding that many new features. We're more fixing a bunch of features that have been half-assed for a long time. I mean, yes, there are some new features we're adding. For example, a, re- a refunds report is a new feature, but it's not, it's not really a new feature. It's more... An enhancement of the reports you have, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so the reports itself is a feature. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, okay, how robust is that feature? Right now, it's a little bit limited. So in that, I don't think of each new report that we're going to be adding, and there's about five or ten of them. I don't think of those as each new features. So, no, I'm not really concerned about bloat. Also, because, to put it this way, we've gotten really good at... N- understanding what features are actually important for users to have. Um, So to give you an example, when EDD was first built, 
we really said yes to every single add-on idea, every single extension that somebody proposed, we got it built or we found somebody to build it or we built it ourselves. And over the course of the last two years, we've actually discontinued probably 50 to 100 extensions because we realized that we were wrong to build them in the first place because they weren't needed. No one actually needed them. Maybe like what, that one person thought they needed it and then no one actually used them. And so we, we've gone through that process already of building all of these extra features just because someone said it would be cool. And we're really pretty good at figuring out what's actually needed now. We have a pretty large volume of customers that come through our doors um, and we talk to a lot of people in support. And so we see very, very realistic use cases and the ways that people are using things. And that gives us a good perception and a good hand on what should or shouldn't be built. And the model of add-ons, I guess, helps you out a lot in that, in that sense. Yes. Actually, what you're mentioning about features that aren't needed, we had two other add-ons on your marketplace a while back, which were out the card pop-up and checkout message. Mm-hmm. Those were two, two great examples. Those are things we needed. We build them. We managed to get them on your marketplace and started selling them there. But they're not something that's used by everyone. It's right. They're pretty, like, they're pretty small feature sets that yeah. the few people that do want them really appreciate them being there. But the, the majority of the user base, it's not that important for them. Exactly. And check out messages now on WordPress.org. It has, I think, around 40, 30 or 40 installs right now. For those people, it's great. And for us, we still make use of it on certain sites. But right. unless you seriously have something to say at checkout, which most of the time you don't, then right. there's no point in having it. So seeing it there is just extra time to load the plugin, I guess. All right. So aside from the impact on the user base growth, support is a major issue of any plugin owner. We face it with aggregator. We're facing it with bookings. I'm sure you guys face it a lot with EDD and all your add-ons. What's the expected impact on that? Do you think it will help that much that you have a new version now? The new changes? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Um, I think it's going to do a few things. So right now, we get a lot of tickets from people that are trying to find accurate numbers in reports or they notice a discrepancy in reports. I think we're going to get rid of a lot of those tickets because those problems are just going to go away, assuming we do our job right, uh, which we're going to do our very best to. Um, so those will go away. So in that case, we'll have a reduction of support. I think we will guaranteed have a huge influx of support the moment we release the plugin. The moment we le- release 3.0, our floodgates are going to open up and we will be overwhelmed with support. And it's not because everything's going to be going wrong. It's for a couple of reasons. The first is when people run e-commerce stores and they see a big update, they just a lot of people get concerned. And so they send in a ticket saying, hey, I see you have a new update. Should I be worried? The answer I, I want to give people usually is no, of course not, because we wouldn't have released it if we weren't completely confident in you installing your site. But that being said, these everybody here is running a business and if we're talking about major changes to your site that is the source of your business's revenue, you should be concerned. Um, and so we're not going to fault anybody for wanting to double check or be a little cautious about a big update. Absolutely. So we're going to see a lot of tickets from those users. We will absolutely see tickets where things go wrong because it's absolutely inevitable. We're going to do our very darndest to take care of every single edge case that we can think of and every edge case that we see, but we're not perfect. 
there will be problems. And that's why when 3.0 goes out, we will probably push 10 point releases for the next two weeks. We'll push a point release every single day because we'll see a thousand to 5,000 sites update every single day. And each one of those is going to have an opportunity to find a problem. Maybe it's with a third party extension. Maybe it's with one of our extensions. Maybe it's with custom code. Maybe it's just some obscure conflict with another plugin. And those are going to get reported. And we're going to deal with them. And we're going to take care of those edge cases. And we're going to immediately push out fixes for them. And so we're going to see a big increase in support for the first month or two after 3.0 goes out. And then if everything goes well, it will settle down a lot. And we'll have fewer tickets than ever before because things are working better than they were. Reports are accurate. The features that we have lacked for a long time that generate tickets right now and generate refund requests are now going to be there. And so in the long term, I think it will reduce support. All right. Now, as, as the business owner yourself, you currently have a team of support engineers. You have a dedicated amount of people. Given the influx you expect in the beginning, but then the reduction over time, how do you handle that in terms of handling um, man management, I guess, growing your support team or not, or dedicating developers to support? Uh, we do all basically all hands on deck. You're in support. Unless you're fixing problems reported from support, you're doing support for these couple of weeks, Un- unless it proves to not be needed. Um, and that includes me. Um, so I'll be, I'll be head stand in support every single day for weeks after 3.0 is released just to help address problems, make sure things are going as smoothly as we can. So lead from the front, basically. Yeah. All right, that's good. So coming to this, now the delegation of tasks and, and how to handle it. First of all, you said you'd be bringing developers on the support and everyone will focus on support. Uh, you currently have one source of truth for leading your projects, which is, which is you, correct? One source of what? One source of truth. So uh, you're the person who takes the final decision if it comes to it. Yes and no. I do have the final say, um, but I've put a lot of trust into the rest of my team and there's a lot of decisions that are made without me. And I think that's really important. A lot of the decisions that are being made from the development process 3.0 are being made without my direct involvement. It's more of high-level decisions that, I, that I'm in charge of now. And so there's, there's really about five of us that are the day-to-day decision makers. All right. So you don't have a, a lead developer of your own who will manage, let's say, the 3.0 update. So he won't be the one taking all, this, all the decisions. It's, uh, it's several developers working together. Based on expertise or anything in particular? As in who takes what decision? No, not really. So there's two developers that really are going to make the majority of the decisions if it comes down to it. And then I'll have a final say if necessary. And then we have a couple of other individuals that have just as much say, maybe wouldn't put as much input into the hardcore development decisions, Mm -hmm. but say from the business decision or the which features are we going to build type of those kinds of discussions. Uh, there's, there's two or three others as well. All right. So what comes down to you? What, what are the decisions that you're the one who you want to take those decisions, basically? Uh, things that I really want uh, <laughs> is number one. Meaning features and that kind of stuff. Yeah, or, or things that I, I try to spend a lot of my time focusing on 
the hard problems of like what are ways that we can really improve user experience. Mm-hmm. I try to look at from the high level, and then I focus mostly on the business side of things. So if we have a challenge in the business, and that could be anything from things that are too expensive to making enough, bringing enough revenue in or not having enough hands on deck, we need to hire somebody. Those are the kinds of decisions that, that I lead day to day right now. That's just the role of being CEO is, yes, there's still times when, when I have to jump in and make the decision on a particular feature or a, pro- a product decision. But most of the time, it's the higher level business decisions that I focus on. All right. So I guess you and I are in a similar role, even though I'm not the CEO of the company, Jean, Jean Galea, who started Mastermind FM with James Laws and is the founder of our company. Mm-hmm. He's left most things in my, in my hands. So Bookings has been my project. My struggle over the past year, year and a half has been that I'm leading the project and the same as you, I'm taking into consideration the business aspect, the UI, the UX, then the development I left in our developers' hands. My struggle was that I'm not a developer myself. So Sometimes I might think that something might work for the plugin, but then in terms of development, it doesn't make sense to do it a certain way. Given that you're in the similar position that I am, but you are an experienced developer, how much of a, of a positive impact has that had? It's definitely been positive because it has allowed me to step into the development role to review and make those decisions and understand if my development team is giving me feedback or explaining a problem they're having or something like that, I can sympathize and I can understand what it is at a technical level, not just at a a high-end level. And so that is definitely very helpful for me, having that development knowledge. Uh, But at the same time, I have almost completely stepped away from the development for a number of reasons. Number one, because I am not even close to the best developer on the team anymore. I mean, there's three or four of my development team are far superior to me now. And it's almost silly for me to spend my time writing code when they could write so much better than me. And then next is I've stepped away from the development. So partially because I don't need to be in the development and the other members of my team are better than me, but also because my time is better spent in a lot of other areas of the business. And then lastly, because I trust my developers 100%. I trust them to make those decisions. I trust them to build it in a way that's going to work well. We have very defined ways that we build, that we write code. We have very defined standards and just overall mentalities of the way that we build our products. And everybody that is writing code, especially the leads, embody those standards and really put that out in their own work. And so I don't need to worry about it. And I think that's what's really important is making sure that those the developers that you put in that in those decision making positions, you need to trust them 100. percent And I think that apply, that really applies to any role. Mm-hmm. That's not just development. I mean, if we hire a marketer and we say you are now marketing lead, I want to be able to trust that person completely with the role that they are given. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have disagreements or things like that at, at certain times, but The point of delegation is to let someone else make those decisions. If you're still making all the decisions to even like the minor details, you might as well not even delegate it. You might as well still do it yourself. That's my opinion of it. Um, And so if I'm going to, if I'm going to delegate something, whether it's development, marketing, management, et cetera, 
I'm going to do my very best to delegate it 100%. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's also great to see that you're humble enough to say that for every developer is better than you. Because many owners would just decide that they want to have the last say no matter what. Yeah. So how do you, let's put it this way, you trust your developers 100%. But then when it comes to timeframes, are there times when certain developers might take something too far or um, sure. go beyond what they actually need to do? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, that's that. I think that that doesn't just apply to development. That applies to any kind of project. But I think that is that just means that there was a communication problem mm-hmm. where you didn't communicate enough, uh, you didn't communicate frequently enough, and I think you get past that by helping ensure that you do have daily communication, hopefully daily, if not at least a couple times a week. It, at least this is it's really different between remote teams and teams that have everybody in the same office. Yeah. Um, but so for us, we're, we are a remote team. Nobody works in the same office. So daily communication is really important. And I think that you just naturally, if, if you're communicating well on a daily basis, you help avoid those cases where somebody took something too far. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it still happen? Sure, but then you have a conversation about it. Okay, why did it go too far? Why was that? Um, why should we be focusing on other things? And you move on. I don't think it's a mistake. It's not. It's not like they screwed up. It's just a hey, hold on. Okay, the reason they went too far is probably because they were really enjoying it, yeah. and they were having a good time, and that's great. We should celebrate that. But there, there are still times when we have to kind of rein people back in and say, well, that's awesome. I'm thrilled for that. But this is what we really need to focus on. Um, and so that happens for sure. Yeah, that's something we, we, in a sense, struggled with in the beginning. This is the first time that we're the team that we are taking on an entire project from start to finish. So we wanted to do things right way. Our developers, uh, Anton and Miguel, who started off from... But Miguel started off bookings before this even version. And then Anton joined later and Roman has joined since. They all have their own different approaches. Anton's more of the technical and more of the expertise kind of guy. He was the one who decided to take our time to build the plug in a certain way. Um, I left that in his hands. That was one of the, the ways that I delegated that role to him in the sense that, yes, I'm going to be involved. Yes, we're going to communicate. But... In a way, final say comes down to you because you know what impact that's going to have. I personally do gather feedback from all three developers when it comes to a big decision. I want to know how long it's going to take us, what's the benefit of it, what's the, what the potential downfall of not doing it. And then based on that, we can take a group decision. I think something we've done internally as well is, first of all, we review each other's code. So the developers review each other's code. So that keeps them accountable to each other to figure out that everything's going well. Um, and everyone checks in on everyone else as well. So if one person, we're a remote team as well, so we work through Slack and Skype. So it's important for everyone to keep communication open. We're constantly updating each other on what we're actually working on. We use GitHub projects right now, for example, to track certain issues while we're alpha testing. So everyone can follow everyone else's work and uh, basically gives us a, an overview of what's going on so everyone can know what's happening and. If someone's taking it too far, if someone's doing, taking the wrong approach, then we can see it right away. I can make a changes right there and then. Yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah, definitely. So with regards to the bookings, we stopped the development of the old version and we started the new one. 
Uh, we stopped setting the old version at one point to focus on this completely while we're focusing on the aggregator plugin as well. But EDD has continued. So there's the current EDD version, which is still receiving updates and fixes and everything. And there's 3.0. So how has, first of all, how did you approach maintaining the current plugin <laughs> and building the new one? And how has it been? Carefully. <laughs> Carefully. So we knew that we were going to be, we, as we were building this new version, that we would be ripping out tons of code, put uh, rebuilding lots of pieces, and that it would potentially be a nightmare at the end if we were made, if we kept making a bunch of changes to the current version along the way. So there's a couple of things that we've done. First is we are very cautious about what changes we make in the current version. Basically, it's limited to bug fixes only, small code changes. Second, every time that we make a change to it, we make sure that we update the 3.0 version, the, the development version of that in GitHub with those changes. So that way we don't have to get six months down the road and try and figure out, okay, what's all the bugs that we fixed? Let's try to make sure that those are mm -hmm. not reintroduced with 3.0. And so it's really, it's just about being careful and diligent about making sure that those changes get done in both places. That's the best answer I got for you. And so beyond you, that, it's, there's no real trick to it. It's just doing it. So you decided early on that the current version is not going to have new features or anything like that? Yeah, it, with a few exceptions, like the GDPR regulations yep. kind of screwed us because we really didn't want to introduce a bunch of changes for those yep. uh, in the 2.9 version. We were trying to put them in 3.0, but 3.0 wasn't done. And those changes have to go out. Uh, and so we were pretty much forced to make a lot of those changes in the 2.9 and then do our best to backport or forward port them to 3.0. Yeah, I think that's a problem everyone's facing. I think that's the amount of emails I'm getting with policy changes and everything. Oh my goodness, it's like <laughs> 10 or 15 every single day. It's getting worse. As we get closer, it's getting worse. Yeah, it is. For those it's, listening, we're, stay we're, worse we're, recording for a while. This, we're recording this just before 25th, which is the day it starts, and it's getting worse and worse. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, you mentioned backwards uh, forward compatibility for GDPR. What about the backwards compatibility for those that eventually upgrade to 3.0? How much consideration was that given in development? Huge, huge consideration. We pretty much decided that we are going to do our very best to support every single function call, API method, action, filter, etc. Every single one of them will be maintained in 3.0. We've actually, to put it this way, we've made a lot of magic happen. <laughs> because we have completely moved all of the data from the old databases into the new databases. And if you query using the WordPress methods, the old data, it just magically works, even though it doesn't exist in that database anymore. And we're trying to make that 100%. There's going to be places where, and edge cases where it's not possible, but we're going to do our best, uh, at least with all of the mission critical data. So like, Products and or, well, products aren't moving, but orders, customers, except like all of those, all of those old PHP functions and class names and various ways that people would query those, they still work, and they're going to still work for as long as we possibly can. So that and and the most the, the biggest consideration there is third party extensions mm -hmm. that are integrating with EDD that either they haven't paid attention to the 3.0 update or maybe we didn't communicate with them well enough or for one reason or another, they didn't get updated. Maybe it's, maybe it's an extension that's no longer in development. We want to make sure that those still work. And this is where beta testing is going to be hugely important because we, we need to get 
all of this tested with as many of these third-party extensions as we can to find all of those edge cases where something doesn't work anymore and then fix it and make it work. Or at very minimum, reach out to the developer of that plugin weeks or months before the update goes live and just say, please, here's here's what's changed. Here's what we would love to see you do. Here we'll help you do it. Here's the resources you need to make this work when 3.0 goes out to try to encourage as many developers to push out updates beforehand. That's awesome. And it definitely impacts us. And we actually had a discussion about this on Slack. I asked you a few weeks ago whether it's worth for us to develop the plugin for 2.9 or whether it's worth to wait for 2.0. So we took the decision to go for 2.9. But those kinds of magic tricks or whatever you want to call them, those those are brilliant for us once we actually get to when you upgrade to 3.0, it's going to make a massive difference to us. Yeah. Well, and then those are, that's the case where like we'll find out if we've done our job well enough because ideally all of your stuff should just work. Now there there will be a number of things where like we'll say, okay, we've put in a backwards compatibility layer to make this still work, but your code still needs to be updated in this way or this way. And we'll give those examples to ensure that it doesn't break in the future. Just because something is backwards compatible for the initial release doesn't mean it's going to stay that way for a year and a half, two years, five years, et cetera, just because things change or cobwebs grow up in the, in the corners and you forget about something and then all of a sudden something breaks. And so we'll, we'll try to make sure to, to provide really good thorough documentation that says, okay, here's all of the things that need to be updated. Here's the old version. Here's the new version. Here's what it look, used to look like. Here's what you need to do now. We, and we hope it's going to work well. We're still working on it, so we, don't, we can't know yet. But. Yeah, but that's brilliant news for us and other third-party developers. I mean, the more you minimize work for us, the more you're minimizing work for yourself because at the end of the day, oh, absolutely. people are going to contact you and support and bug reports and this and that. Yep. We know how all this works. So if it's a problem with EDD bookings, which is a third-party add-on to EDD, they're probably going to come to EDD first. It's oh, absolutely, all the time. We see with that, That's just the way it yeah, works. Yeah, exactly. We see with our own add-ons with Aggregator. They're our own add-ons. But someone would report an issue for something which is completely unrelated to it as from something else. But it's hard to explain to a user where a bug is coming from. Yes. All right. So lastly, we dive a bit into the, the business aspect of it in the sense of how can you make some form of an impact assessment undertaking such a project? And when can you, under, when can you make any kind of assessment? Uh, I think that's the million dollar question. Uh, and okay. So in advertising, you can measure, you say, I spent this much, I made this much. Okay. I got a 30% return on my dollar. Great. You can't do that in this kind of scenario. What we can do is we can measure or we can, I can't measure, but I can gauge the overall feel of the product. I can gauge how customers are telling us they feel, how many people are reporting that they're thrilled, how many people are reporting that they're they're unhappy, how many people are reporting problems. It's just kind of an overall feeling. How do we as a team feel? How does it enable how well are we able to build things in the future? Do we have really good success with it? I think that's about the best that you can do. Um, or or let's there's there's a little more concrete method that we can use as well. If we know of something that we couldn't build previously, for example, refunds reports, and all of a sudden we can now build it with ease, that's a really good measurement of success for us in this case. But we also have to be careful because one of the realities of software is 
happy customers don't talk to you. <laughs> Only unhappy customers talk to you. Yep. And so if I talk to 100 customers in a day, honestly, the reality is that most of them are going to be unhappy. And so it's really easy. And it's, and it's not because 100% of my customers were unhappy. It's that the 100 customers that contacted us were unhappy. Well, how many customers were there actually that were perfectly happy? Was it five? Was it 100? Was it 500? It's kind of a difficult number to, I mean, there's ways to measure it, but we have to be really careful, especially those that work in support, of basing our judgments on what we hear in support. Because in support, you only hear about problems. Every now and then someone emails you and you're like, yes, this is amazing. Thank you so much. But it's really freaking rare. We have a Slack channel for the positive comments that come through because it, it's that few. I mean, the negative ones are incredible, but... Right, right. And it's, and it's not because nobody is appreciative. It's just yeah. people are running their businesses. They're going about their lives. Mm-hmm. And when things are working, it's out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and so you just don't tend to hear from those. And that's fine. But it does mean that we have to be careful because if we just base our, our measurement of success on what we hear and support, we're going to be miserable. Yeah. <laughs> and it impacts the morale of your support team for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I had in the past used, we use Help Scout for support, for, for managing tickets and emails. They have a happiness report where at the bottom of each email, you can say how happy you are, whether it's yeah, good, okay, or bad. Mm-hmm. I really implemented that for a really long time. And I'm realizing that there is no real point in implementing that because the majority of people who are happy do not reply. But the moment someone is slightly upset by something, he's going to reply the negative review. Yep. We still have more positive than negative right now, but in reality, if everyone replied, that rate is much higher than it should be. Yep. Yeah, it makes happiness ratings really difficult to actually monitor with any kind of statistical accuracy <laughs> because they're, they're yep. just not accurate. <laughs> um, yeah. I see for myself, as, as a user of any software, in the past, I used to basically not care. If I'm happy with something, I'm using it, that's it, and that's yeah. it. If I'm unhappy, if I'm, I'm angry at something, I'm going to make it publicly seen. Nowadays, I, I appreciate what a single thank you or a single well done means. So I've actually started to either put reviews or say thanks and this and that. It makes a difference to a person, it makes a difference to a team. It does. It makes a huge difference. So yeah, anybody that's listening, if you've never said thank you to software that you love, the developers yeah. and the owners do it. really appreciate it. <laughs> leave a five-star yeah. review, leave a comment. Even just say, this is great, thanks. That's fine. Exactly. <laughs> I recently had an aggregator, but I hadn't had a review for, I think, a week or something like that, a positive review. And I go in and I find one saying, this is the Mercedes of RSS aggregators. That little comment can make your day. It's just incredible. Uh, it changes your day, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we've discussed a lot and we're almost running out of time. So clearly there's a, a lot that goes into, first of all, building a plugin and building a business around it and the decision of rewriting and re- redoing everything from scratch or 50% from scratch. As a business owner and as a team leader yourself, you need to keep yourself up to date. You need to keep yourself informed and keep growing your expertise about every aspect of the business. So are there any books that you read or people that you follow which you can recommend both inside and outside the WordPress space to any business owners, plugin developers, whatever it is? There is a book I'm reading right now 
And there's actually, there's two books. So the first one is called Street Smarts. Mm-hmm. And it's by Norm Brodsky. And it's a guy who has built a number of businesses, has grown them to huge, huge numbers, has gone bankrupt, has started over. Um, and it's really fascinating. For anybody that is either a business owner or interested in being one, I would, check, I would really recommend checking it out. So it's called Street Smarts by Norm Brodsky. And then the second one is actually a related book, and it's called Little Giants. Uh, and it's by Bo Burlingham. And it is Bo, the author, decided to profile, I think, 10 or 15 companies. And he profiled companies based on their interest in being great, not big. And so for some people, great was being 5,000 employees. For some, great was being two employees. Some, it was being able to live their lifestyle of whatever they wanted to do. And it was really, really interesting and uh, really insightful to hear all of these, all of these opinions, these challenges, these experiences from business owners from tons of different industries. There's a there's a nutrition bar owner, there's a record storage, there's a music producer, there's a brewery owner, there's uh, there's a bunch of different industries. So there, there's it's not like all one industry. There's a software developer, there's a visual studio owner, but hearing those stories. I think is really important for for owners or anybody in a management role. Just there's there's lots of value in them, but it's also you see cha- they tell you about challenges that a lot of us have gone through, um, and maybe we feel like they're unique to us, but we're not unique. These kinds of challenges, every business has them, and it's cool to see how they got around it or what they decided to do. Hear some of the the thoughts that were going through their head. So yeah, I would read those two books are very high on my list. Yeah, I'll definitely link to those in the show notes. And actually, it's something I'm reading a book right now, or then listening to one because I, I rely completely on Audible. I'm listening to Start with Why of Simon Sinek. Ah, I've always heard that's really awesome, but I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. I just started. I want to take chapter three right now, and it's brilliant. It's it gives you insight into every aspect of the business, but all about why you need to start with why you're doing something. So the idea of not what are you building? What features do you have? Or what problem do they fix? It's why are you doing it? And that's basically the approach. He relies a lot on the approach that Apple takes, for instance, versus Dell and other computer companies and how Apple took over various types of businesses over from computers to um, iPods and everything. And it's brilliant. I definitely recommend it. So if you have time after these two, switch to that. <laughs> awesome. All right, I'll link to all these in the show notes and I will add links to what Pippin's doing and what we're doing with EDD bookings as well. Pippin, thanks for joining us. It's been my pleasure, Mark. Have a good evening. You too. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.